to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Salutations and what's up, uh, fucker. Hello. Sit down, shut the fuck up, and put the volume up. It's the podcast that you love to listen to. (laughs) Damn. Authoritative. Damn America. Yes. Sit the fuck down. (laughs) (laughs) Stick this in your ear, my good bitch. (laughs) Sit down. Ben Shapiro has a board. He's going to hit you with it. That'll be the topic we start the day with. But first, hello, I'm Jake Flores. Alex Patak is here. I'm eager to discuss the board, Jake. <laughs> Anders Lee is here. Anders Lee here in your eardrums. Yeah. Or near them. We're like, yeah, we sound like um, like uh, Jurassic 5 or something today. <laughs> yeah. in your Get on your hip-hop motorcycle. <laughs> it's time for Pod Damn America. Uh-huh. Is that the guy with the deep voice? Uh-huh. Tuna. <laughs> wow. Tuna fish. <laughs> Walter Mondale. <Anyway. laughs> um, all right. <laughs> Let's start with They this. didn't really stand for much as a band except for liking London. That was kind of their big thing. <laughs> yeah. Wait, who? Block Party? <laughs> Jurassic Jur- 5? Jurassic oh, Andrews, do you know Jurassic 5? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. This seems extremely up your alley for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Because I'm a Jurassic period guy? That was my favorite period. What? No, no one has a favorite period. Yeah, You're sure. weird. Uh, Cretaceous stand has long gone. <laughs> well, Cretaceous is if you like desert shit, but Jurassic, if you like some lush greenery, uh, close to today, basically, with you want to see what dinosaurs were like in the closest, um, closest way to today in terms of geology and shit like that. Isn't Jurassic everything is just that. simpler when everybody lived in the sea? That's my whole selling point. Al- Why don't we just go back to that? What was that period, that Alex? What was uh, your favorite? Was it the Permian? What did you say a minute ago? I think Cretaceous? that was pre-Cretaceous, if I'm not mistaken. I thought Cretaceous was sort of more desert-like. Or maybe that's Mesozoic. What would Cretaceous Park be like if they had made that movie <laughs> instead? Which would be like, it's, oh, the microscopic organisms are everywhere. They're, don't go in that pool. Do not go in the pool. <laughs> it would be much simpler to film. Uh, you know what? Oh, Dinotopia. That was what you're describing reminds you of Dinotopia. Those books were sick. I think they made a movie, uh, but they, they should do an update. They made a cartoon. I remember that. Oh, it was a cartoon. Okay. I used to watch when I was a kid. It would we're be like, talking so far out of school with these periods of history. I don't think any of Well, these I don't know. Right. I think that's what Brooklyn is going to be like and if you or LA when it gets swallowed into the sea and they bring back, you know, genetically engineered dinosaurs, it's going to be a dinotopia situation. And I'm looking forward to that. The thing about dinotopia is that they I remember they would take like a stegosaurus and then they would put like a mechanical like saddle on the thing and then they would be using it right. to like move shit around or farm or fight or something. have like guns on it and shit which is cool but it also calls into the question like why have we never thought of 
we have so many instances of guy riding a horse in all of our you know fantasy and fiction and reality we've never seen a movie where a guy like rides a raptor which would be fucking tight Can you imagine just mm-hmm. riding around the city on like a velociraptor well it's that like a be. meme you've Is seen it? the abraham lincoln riding it's riding Bill Clinton. a dino yeah. meme oh no they do them all anybody who's epic can ride one oh. <laughs> i've only seen slick willie um but yeah, that would be good. I mean, the problem with Dinotopia, and I guess this is why it's Utopia, is uh, the dinosaurs are just into it. They, I guess, are <laughs> tamed or are just like a docile species. Uh, they're just, you know. Anders arguing against dinosaur consent live on his reactionary <laughs> radio podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they like it. They like being in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to, like, depict, like, dino slavery in a way that's realistic and then still enjoy their episode of the Flintstones where, where the toaster's acting up so Fred just like whips it into submission and then they go back to making breakfast. Well, you know what I didn't, never got about the Flintstones? It's such an elaborate system that they've worked out with rocks and dinosaurs that it's in many ways much more complicated than the internet. You know, like you have to you would have to dedicate way more ingenuity to like create indoor plumbing out of a long necked dinosaur than you would, you know, a cell phone or something like that. But I guess they don't need to because birds will do that because they are. Yeah, I guess a docile species again. Well, they, well as a as a materialist, you have to recognize that we all work with the conditions at hand. And so if you don't have those technologies, but you do have a bird that you use it as a toilet and your whole family shits into the bird's mouth and the bird turns and goes, it's a living. That's what your society's going to look like. And it's not a moralistic judgment. You all just shit in a bird. Yeah. But I mean, it, who's to say that's not what things would have been like had humans and dinosaurs coexisted, right? Who is would to not say? In the Jurassic Park situation at all. Maybe they would have taken, you know, they would have been satisfied in their role as subservient to humans. We would have subjugated dinosaurs into a terrifying body horror like H.R. Geiger type situation where they are literally all machinery. And you're saying they would have liked it, Anders. That's what you're saying. They would have loved it. I'm saying we don't have enough information to suggest otherwise. To to know otherwise. No, there would have been a civil war over like one of the smart dinosaurs would have done Haiti shit. And like overthrown his, you know, his Fred Flintstone. Yeah, well, that's the his other possibility is they would have just eaten us. Like, there's no, there's no middle ground, right? It's either humans somehow managed to coax dinosaurs into obeying them, or we would have just gotten eaten. No human race. There would also be dinosaurs. Papa Croc Duvalier. Is that anything? <laughs> there would also have been dinosaur John Brown. The one guy <laughs> who's like, dinosaurs are people, but everyone thinks he's a lunatic, and he has right. a huge Absolutely. beard. But I don't know how he would even, I, they would have had to, like, want to do it, because I don't know how a human, how humans would tame, like, an allosaur, or, a, you know, a tyrannosaurus, or stegosaurus. <laughs> Well, I hate to beat the negative one in the conversation, but I don't think it would have happened. I think that these little monkeys would have gotten ba- their asses beat by these big, powerful <clears throat> lizards that now we know look like birds. And it would just right. be a nightmare of birds. Uh, it would be Attack on Titan, but for birds. But yeah. this is all to say what? that uh, Ben has purchased a board at Home Depot. <laughs> 
and he took a picture with with the board. Mm-hmm. What about reverse Flintstones, where the humans are slaves and the dinosaurs are the like the protagonists of the the, the picture? Interesting. What would they want us to do? Would they want us to just like use our abstract thinking skills and like design shit for them, or would we be doing manual labor? I don't know. I'm thinking of this more as this is a propaganda film to explain to people why they shouldn't like you shouldn't use dinosaur labor in your home. Right. Look, this could be the other way around. You could be the toilet, and a brontosaurus could be taking a shit in your mouth. Right. Was that was that part of the dinosaurs universe? Do you ever see the show Dinosaurs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think there were humans in that. They didn't have human slaves. They kind of were like so. human dinosaurs. Right. It was unsettling because they would do the thing cartoons do, where they wear some clothes, but not all of the clothes, but have these like large, <laughs> actually filmed bodies. Where you're like, where is it? T- <laughs> where is it? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think in a way we're very lucky that humans did not coexist with dinosaurs because then we would not exist. I think Alex is right about that. I say that every day. Okay, and that's why we have wieners like Ben Shapiro Mm -hmm. holding his board. Let's talk about his board. It looked, the first thing I thought when I saw it was, this looks like when Andrew Yang is like, I love authentic pizza pie, and he's holding something that isn't an actual slice of pizza because he's bad at New York. Very yeah, just to just to understand the post, so it's Ben Shapiro, and then he's saying what men be like, and he has a giant two by four in a plastic bag, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. and exactly <laughs> one. <laughs> he has one big board to say. I went out to the board store to get my board, looking good. <laughs> the yeah. wife will be happy with this. If you've ever like built anything that requires an amount of wood to build something you have to leave with like a it like it's in like a you have to put it in the back of a truck there's like yeah. a lot of, you did a lot of shit to build even a small thing so what is he possibly it's hilarious that he's like aha i will i'll fool these people into thinking i shop here all the time and i do this and then he's carrying around a board like you would walk out of like forever 21 with a new shirt or something <laughs> right like, that's not what that looks yeah. like. Yeah, you don't put a board in a plastic bag. I'm sorry. The most generous interpretation I can give him is he is leaving with one medium-sized board because he just needs raw material for his miniatures, and that's actually more than enough board <laughs> like to he's do what whittling, he's set out to do. He's whittling tiny Ben Shapiro's? He, I don't know. He's whittling something racist in his house. He's <laughs> putting together offensive Gundams made out of actual wood. <laughs> <laughs> maybe his next because he's a fiction writer as well so maybe his next manuscript is going to be written on wood see there's something interesting there's an idea I don't want to say he's just buying wood to have wood he's doing something with the wood he also kind of looked like he was holding like uh, tablets like he was going to read from the bible which seems to be the his... dead sea scrolls yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think he was day drunk off mimosas and was walking by Home Depot and wanted to get a, some wood to, to show off. I got an idea. You think that motherfucker <laughs> drinks? You have a photo. He cannot. Yeah. I mean, no at his size, that's really dangerous to I mean, like imbibe at all. One mimosa, I'm saying, probably maybe one or two. 
put him on that level where he's like, I'm going to show off my, you know, masculinity with my one board. that He I'm was celebrating buy. early because he thought Derek Chauvin was going to get off. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'll have one. I'll have one and then I'll do something manly. Yeah, I wonder if that's related because he was because uh, Don <clears throat> Lemon, as he's referred to on Fox News, Don Lemon said that justice French was, pundit Don Lemon. <laughs> he said that uh, justice was sure, served with the Chauvin conviction, and Ben Shapiro was like, "Wow, would he be saying that if it was the other way around?" Uh, and and no, he probably wouldn't be because that would not. That would definitely not be justice. Um, yeah, because he killed somebody. It was kind of a uh, fascinating bad take because yeah. I think what he's implying is that you're a hypocrite if you call it justice when the justice system does one thing, but not right. justice when it does the other thing. Because it, I guess, he's implying that the system is inherently objective no matter right. what it does. But yeah, that yeah. doesn't make any sense because it could do different things. But right. I want to know. Everyone celebrates when the fridge makes your food cold. But I want to know if the fridge makes something hot. We're not celebrating that. All of a sudden, <laughs> I put my eggs in and they're hot eggs. Yeah. God damn, dude. Let me look up. I'm sure. I'm sure he was very happy about the or, or just felt, you know, justice had been equally served when uh, OJ got off. Maybe that's why he um, bought the board is to serve justice. Yeah, like <laughs> he's taking it to the streets. Have you ever been to a fancy restaurant where it's like it's so fancy that they serve your food on just a plank of wood, and you're like, "Wow, this is so fancy," and then you realize, like, "Wait a minute, they tricked me. This actually sucks." <laughs> right. They I just... got a splinter from my risotto. <laughs> <laughs> Right, or it's kind of cafeteria style, and they, mm-hmm. you know, they give you a a prison tray. Yeah, you can so go all delicious. the way back around with craft shit, where you're actually selling people crap, and they're like, "This is so cool that a restaurant would do this." Mm-hmm. That's how you I think charcuterie boards are to blame for a lot of the wood culture in restaurants because they started it. Oh, they started, that's what it was doing. Yeah. It was making a charcuterie board. Do you know where charcuterie comes from? I don't know if this is true. I read this in a Christopher Hitchens book a long time ago. Apparently, during the Spanish Inquisition, the reason that they came up with the idea of cooking and, and like preparing pork in a bunch of different ways is because like it's a, like people were Jewish and they were pretending not to be. So, if you serve someone a bunch of like pork like that. And that they had to try it, and it's presented in all these different ways. They're trying to to elicit the response where you're like, "Oh, normal. I know pork. I eat this all the time." <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> on my my board of meats. Yes, I lo- I love to have this when yeah. I celebrate Christ at my house. I don't know if that's true because it was in a stupid ass Christopher Hitchens book, but uh, Jew detector, pretty wild, huh? <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Charcuterie boards, anti-Semitic. Which is also weird that he would have a charcuterie board. What are you up to, Ben? What are you <laughs> What are you doing over there? That actually reminds me, I was a big ham sandwich kid growing up. And, of course you were. <clears throat> yeah. And I had a uh, counselor. It's all over your face. It, it is, literally. I'm a, I have a ham. ham t- I mean, I've lived in Virginia for the first 12 years of my life so ham is everywhere you put ham and cappuccinos you know that's the stir stick they use uh, mm. ham state uh, and so I, I worked at a summer camp when I was like in my early teens 
and it was a Jewish summer camp, and I brought a ham sandwich, and I had to like convince people it was chicken because you were not allowed to eat that sort of thing. Um, and then I was, they were concerned because it's like that's pink chicken. Yes, it is. It's it's just uh, smoked. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Wild ass shit are you talking about? I'm trying to trying to be. Um, he was a ham sandwich kid. <laughs> ham sandwich kid. <laughs> Let's talk about the Derek culture. Chauvin trial. Um, <laughs> speaking of ham, uh, he's a pig. You know what I'm saying? Did you see yeah. the, the dots of connecting there? Uh, he absolutely okay. So the picture of him when they're sentencing him to one million years in prison is very funny. His eyes pop out. Uh, wait, we talked about this in the bonus episode a little bit. Um, but let's talk about what it means, I guess. Uh, friend of the show, Alex Vitali, had a very interesting point about it, I think, which is that the, on some level the system threw him like under the bus because, uh, you know, the, the police martyred him on some level because it was either that or make a systemic concession, right? Uh, right. I what, mean... And like I said the other day, like I do think it's it's gonna depend on we're gonna see what happens um, when it comes to the other cops because yeah he is in some ways a sacrificial lamb but the real question mark is gonna be what happens to the officer Tao and the other guy who enabled him and just didn't do anything while he was murdering someone yeah does this set a precedent at all where like in a cop's head now are they gonna be like oh I could become Derek Chauvin like while they're pulling their gun out because I think the statistic is that this is the seventh cop since 2005 to be convicted for shooting somebody out of a hundred and fifty thousand of these cases, or something like that. Yeesh. I think it was no. I'm sorry. I think it was fifteen thousand, but still, seven people out of fifteen thousand. You know, does that? Jack realist- Bauer famously got off. Yeah, live televised trial for Jack <laughs> Bauer. I remember um, that. What do you think? Um, yeah, there's I mean- no way. There's no way that this is going to go through anyone's mind except to like make a cop more mad when they think about it and they already have their gun drawn. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it. like I said, I really do think it depends on what happens next. Um, especially with Kim Potter over in uh, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. The woman who tried to reach for the taser and then I shouldn't laugh. She reached for the you know taser what? and then I or she thought the she had a who she had lived. <laughs> you know what I think is kind of ironic about this is that it doesn't it's probably not going to do what policing says it does, which is scare people with the the prospect of going to jail into not behaving in a certain way. Which shows oh. you maybe how this whole thing is dumb as fuck. Smart cookie alert. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just politically, just even take a step back before you consider culturally what the impacts of this are. If the question for law enforcement as an institution in our country is like, reduce your own power of your own volition because you're slaughtering the people you're supposed to protect, or, or just make some gestures so everyone calms down, that's what's going to happen because there is no second party forcing them to lose any any institutional strength. Like there are, is no real political push to defund the police right now. There's like 
five squad members, and then the rest you you got you got to fight Joe Manchin to pass the Pro Act. Well, like kind the, of moderate Democrats. The problem is, is that, uh, and this goes back to like the Cold War, right? Because the uh, U.S. tried to be the equal and opposite of everything the Soviet Union did when they considered everything in the USSR like highly centralized. So they're going to be like, we're going to be decentralized with our law enforcement. Uh, and so a lot of these laws and things are, are just the, there's only so much the federal government can do. I know that the Justice Department now is uh, going to be reviewing the Minneapolis Police Department, which, like every other police department, is full of corruption and uh, waste, ride and abuse. Um, we'll see where that goes. But uh, this is sort of a local issue. They could pass some sweeping law or something that would change the status quo of, of local controlled law enforcement. But um, it sounds like after the Chauvin verdict, Democratic senators and and leaders are less uh, likely right. to do that. They're like, well, we got what we wanted. Let's let's. This is what I'm saying. There, there's no any there's no pressure to make that happen. So why would it? Yeah, I I, fuck, I, mean, I can't remember the exact jargon I'm reaching for here, but there was like a recorded statement, you know, in in the fucking Senate or something in kind of a back room where it's, somebody was say, saying something to the fucking Biden administration or something about how like, yeah, this is actually fine because we've figured out that these convictions don't actually lead to any pressure on any of you to do anything about this so it's just like a show thing and was oh, that mic on oh i ain't got my face <laughs> I, I sound dumb because i'm like oh it was some guy who said some fucking thing i just can't i can't remember the fucking words you know the specific titles and shit from the thing i was reading the other day but like the the idea being at least that the probably why this happened is that they figured out oh you can just fucking sacrifice one cop and that won't actually pressure like anyone in in you know, government to have to do anything. There's no, you know, dotted line there that goes to, oh, now we have to reform our local police department or whatever. Right. Well, I think this is different from the other times in which uh, in which cops have gotten convicted because this is was a very high publicity. This was like a global story in the ways that the other ones were not. So I think sort of the best outcome uh, along with further convictions for cops, this is my opinion, uh, is the chilling effect that I, I've said this on the podcast before, but this is something Jim Comey in 2015 was complaining about. Uh, after the, he called it the Ferguson effect, that after Michael Brown was murdered, uh, there's all of a sudden law enforcement officials are scared to do their jobs, which was bullshit. Uh, but now... That actually might be true to some extent. So is this going to change the institution of policing and and capital and gentrification and all that stuff? No, it won't on its own. But maybe, possibly, it will provide a little bit of breathing room for uh, particularly black Americans when interacting with police. Maybe. They will be they will be uh, slightly less likely to just kill people with impunity, which is a good thing. Uh, but that but there's still, of course, uh, a lot more to, to change and do. Well, why would that be? Doesn't that have the same ring to it as believing in like the power of song to change hearts and minds? Like, <laughs> no, I would. What say is the cultural power of this of this conviction happening? I don't. I think 
yeah, I think someone going to jail for potentially 40 years is po- more powerful than we are the world, personally. But I, I'm, you know, could be dead wrong. So. Well, I mean, maybe... I'm just a silver linings guy. Maybe because it was, like, the only thing that everyone on Earth has been talking about for the last year that'll right. have some kind of... Uh, like super structural little trickle down effect or something. Right. I don't, I feel like it's, it's, we can't really, it's hard to know at this point, obviously, but I feel like whatever the outcome is, it's, there's going to be some good baggage and bad baggage. You know what I mean? And what I'm describing could be the positives, but there's also going to be negatives too. And the negatives being an excuse for the political class to not actually move uh, on, on solutions. Every political institution has baggage, and you look inside the bag, what's that? It's a large piece of wood coming down back to your house to work on whatever project you want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you know who who isn't going to get any police reform? Us in New York (laughs) City. Uh, (laughs) Because I think Andrew Yang is probably winning the mayor's race right now, and he is a dick. we could he, have. He might not win. It's might, early. Yeah, I mean, so the only uh, candidate that really has a solid defund the police platform is uh, Diane Morales, who has this thing called Community First Responders, which is uh, a pretty good way to sell it, in my opinion. I've been talking to a lot of people about this, and like the thing that they sort of, the thing that people kind of, the, the thing where people get stuck on this, I think I'm starting to come around to, is like they're like. What what would you do if there was an axe murderer or whatever? And I think the, the important way to tell this whole story is, um, you know, there would be someone for that. It just wouldn't be a cop. And it's not this thing with this guy with a clipboard. You have to understand the history of the police. We have a racist gang that we started for the purposes of being a racist gang. And then as we started to, like develop problems in society like traffic or fucking some guy broke into your house or whatever we then went well we should get that racist gang to do this job right and that's the fucking problem uh an alternate way of doing this would be to get rid of the racist gang and then have like someone else with a government job whose job is to you know regulate traffic or protect your fucking house or whatever if you want to do Democrats speak about it, maybe the way to sell it is that we just lack specialization to deal with these niche issues we face. Maybe you don't want to send the same axe cop who stops all axe murderers with his terrible iron suit that anyone could recognize from the street. And you want to have a different cop for them than you do for, like, the couple fighting next door and uh, domestic abuse. Like, that shouldn't be the, those shouldn't be the same people. Yeah. One is a suit of armor. So Diane Morales is proposing community first responders department separate from the NYPD. Pretty cool, right? Problem is she is uh, no pack money. <laughs> she's not. She's doing better than I think that I thought she was going to be doing at this point, which is cool. There's an upward trajectory, but she is like the Bernie Sanders in this race. No pack money. Um, tons of uh, independent small donations. Uh, which mm-hmm. is good, and also the city has a like a program where they match. Uh, they give you like a campaign finance based on how many small donations you made. So she made this huge like I think she two point two million dollar payout from that system by having all these small donations. Still very minuscule compared to uh, what like Eric Adams and fucking Yang are bringing in with pack money. So I don't know. 
you know? Dang, who has the entire Steam industrial complex behind him for every game sold, more money going to, to his campaign. Yeah, I mean, we have seen in the past, I remember the big, the last time there was really a contested mayoral election was 2013, uh, in which it was not at all clear until much later than, although the, the primary was later, it was in September, uh, but Bill de Blasio was not the front runner at all at, at this stage in the race. It Ooh. was, you know, between Christine Quinn and, and Anthony Weiner, and then, you know, his, 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 the second wave of his, his sex scandal broke, and that campaign went down in shambles. Uh, and because did you of, see that movie they did? Yeah, it was awesome. following Anthony Weiner. I watched year? most of it. Yeah, Weiner, <laughs> Weiner. Uh, they have some fantastic footage of Bill De Blasio's like uh, parade uh, 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 <laughs> contribute. Like they all have different yeah. parades for different members of the mayoral race, and then his is just like him and two other guys in this long vacant space during this whole like march down the street. <laughs> it's embarrassing, man. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like his presidential campaign, folks. Uh, oh, folks. <laughs> but that, that documentary was so funny because it's about Anthony Weiner. It opened with a quote that was like, some men are cursed by their name. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I think, uh, yeah, around the time it came out, comedian Nick Nanny had a great little uh, video he posted where he was at the movie theater <laughs> and the ticket terror he was talking to when the, when the ticket terror was tearing his ticket and he says, uh, how long is Wiener? <laughs> and, and he checked and he was like, uh, an hour 45 minutes, that's how long Wiener is. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant uh, sophomoric humor. Um, <laughs> that was pretty funny. But yeah, so right now I think... It, I have heard some stuff that, you know, the the polls might be very inaccurate that have Yang on top. Uh, I do. It's obviously going to be very heavy lift for Morales to win. Um, but what a lot of people I know are doing uh, who are sort of, you know, socialists and maybe a little bit to the to the right of socialists, uh, just to the left of, you know, mainstream uh, democratic politics are to rank Morales first. And Scott Stringer second. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the other thing that's working to her advantage is they're introducing ranked choice voting for this election, right. which does level the playing field on some level strategically. So there's like a there's a Hail Mary here, you know? Yeah. Somewhat. I mean, the fact that there's the problem is, though, there's also Maya Wiley, who's like an MSNBC talking head who it, it's like. Ranked choice voting can also end up muddling things and splitting the vote, and you know a lot of people don't understand it. So I think a lot of people think that she is Diane Morales, and they're the same person for some reason. She's right. That could be a thing lane. too. Yeah, yeah. Just identity wise, they're sort of sharing the same like you know same section of the race and like same the, the distinctions between them I think are unclear to people and like a certain people are very jazzed up about her for reasons I don't really understand well if uh, one is on MSNBC and the other one has two posters in my neighborhood <laughs> it's going to be a close race between the two of them yeah yeah I mean Maya Wiley is just going to be a continuation of the de Blasio regime like she's literally I think his lawyer or something like that or was uh, but, you know, it would be great, and I've said this before, but it would be great if Maya Wiley won. Or, sorry, fuck. It would, wow. it would be okay. Isolating that footage. We're not editing wow. it. 
<laughs> all right. It's new endorsement for Anders. That's gonna be My so Morales. embarrassing. They're gonna put this all over the Reddits. <laughs> uh, it would be great if Morales won, and it would be pretty good if Stringer won. Uh, he he, you know, sucks on a lot of things. Historically, he's sucked, but institutionally, he's back. He he has made. He's branched out to the left, and I think he, I think he understands. Uh, the necessity of of working with the socialist movement. Um, however, you know, it's just pure, pure political shrewdness. It's not. A, I, I I don't know what's in his heart or anything. But the most important thing is is to elect a socialist caucus to the city council, and that's why DSA has endorsed six city council candidates. Uh, there are even more, you know, sort of uh, left wing people who are running. I'm sorry. How long is the caucus? <laughs> <laughs> Don't answer that. It's one of those viral memes. It's an hour and forty-five minutes. All right, thank you. Uh, if you, this is a dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like I've said before, you know, if you really wanted to fund the police, uh, and you know, cut their budget in half as as Morales wants to do, um, her her ability to do that would be extremely limited if it's just her as mayor. If you actually have a caucus that can put a hold on the budget and make demands um then that's i think a much better equation for for the left in new york city yeah you're right you're smart unfortunately it's more fun for my dumb brain to get caught in the political theater of the mayor race did you see did we did he mention the andrew yang gay thing let's talk about the andrew yang gay thing <laughs> I, have the, I have the article up yeah, in he from the is New York Times. So funny! Someone in this story called him like they're just like he's uh, Michael Scott from The Office, which is so perfect. He's such an like uh, oblivious guy. <laughs> he's so positive. I don't think he even understands how like bad this was. <laughs> uh, the story is what he he was speaking at like an LGBT you know. Some guy speaking to some organization or something and just kept going like, you guys, you're so gay and it's great. I love it. I love your bars. <laughs> I, I'm gay for you. <laughs> In New York City, the biggest man of all. Um, I love your bars no, they, and I love your parades. And uh, that's all I know about <laughs> Who you. doesn't love a parade? <laughs> I have the article up. So uh, he's in, a, I guess, a Zoom call with this LGBT organization. And they, this is in the New York Times. They have uh, some quotes from him. I genuinely do love you and your community, he said, according to a partial recording of their remarks. You're so human and beautiful. You make New York City special. I have no idea how we ever lose to the Republicans, given that you are all, frankly, in, like, leadership roles all over the Democratic <laughs> Party. He says like, like he's a Z's Ansari. <laughs> Yeah, you can you can see him like feeling out the sentence as it comes in. <laughs> we have like this incredible secret weapon. He added, "It's not even secret. It's like we should win everything because we have you all." <laughs> what is that? Yeah. I, what the fuck is he trying to say? <laughs> First of all, like this made me really <laughs> glad that I'm never gonna run for any sort of public office because i like in all fairness to him i don't know how to like that was pandering is must be 
difficult, right? <laughs> like, it must Congressional suck. Congressional lead, Anders Lee, says he was a ham sandwich kid and was <laughs> nuts for ham sandwiches. <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose that you, this is, like, why people say, you know, you should have experience or whatever, is, like, you should you can learn from stuff like this, and so people are hammering him about it and saying, like, this guy is clearly, like, is inexperienced, which I think is... Yeah, that sucks, because that's also a way they can handle outsiders. But I don't like him, so I, whatever. I think it's kind of funny. Um, he I, One thing that they pointed out was that, like, it's very off-putting when you come in here and you say you. Like, we right. are members of your community, and you're proposing to be, you know, the like, leader of, like, us, like New York or whatever. So this thing where you're just like, you... You guys are so what you do over here, you know, it's, it's like kind of antagonistic and antithetical to the idea that like we're a community or something. Well, it's it's like but what what does that mean that it's a you and your community? What does that mean? Imagine if he was like, you know, straight people uh, I don't know how they win all the time. They have uh, straight people are that would the be president funny. is straight. If he's just the, like it's subtly coming out as gay and married <laughs> to a woman, he's just like they're crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like what is it? like I, I don't know In what Nazi he means Germany by... they would make you wear an identifying pin just like I do for mad. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it's just a weird implication that, like, oh, wow, there's so many gay people who have uh, leadership positions in the Democratic Party. They're all, you know, part of this. They, they must have the same uh, brain and, and, you know, talents. And well, he's, all... he's an idiot who lacks, like, a f ideological framework, really. So the, yeah. eventually someone's going to ask you a question and there's not going to be an answer for it because you can't just apply this weird individualistic, like, entrepreneurial like everyone's just an expert at the thing they do thing to stuff like this because then you're just going to back yourself into a corner where you're like gay people are so good at being experts what the <laughs> fuck am I talking about <laughs> just using like wide vast uh, 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 generalities like I think we all love giving brain and that's why I'm giving my brain to New York City to run this place the best we can there's also an article, I don't know why this keeps happening with them, I'm kind of fascinated by this. There's an article in the New York Daily News that came out two days ago, it says, NYC is overdue for first woman mayor, colon, Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. <laughs> Which, long time ago, I remember we read some crazy writers thing about the, the, like, the, the Democratic primary, like, last year, and she was saying... Andrew Yang has like a feminine energy. All all these people keep saying he's a woman. <laughs> it's really weird. It, I mean, it might just be like racism, like subtle like emasculation because he's Asian or something. Interesting. What what else did he say? Was he like, uh, you know, that the gay community, uh, whether it's the food and wine connoisseurs, the grooming gurus. <laughs> the design doctors, fashion savants, or culture vultures. Yeah. You all have a unique contribution to New York City. Yeah. Queer Eye, there's five of you. You all do different things. It's really it's impressive that <laughs> one guy is just culture. His thing is just culture. You're right. He made a hashtag in one episode. That was what he spent the whole episode doing. Bob <laughs> built a whole fucking house. Wow, you guys make I don't want to be divisive, but one of them is building a whole house. <laughs> <laughs> Who's doing all the work here? He's going to make uh, five new departments for New York City for the fashion savants, the grooming guru department of 
Okay, <laughs> there's two. I mean, it seems like what they wanted to what hear. What other three departments would there be? <laughs> I don't remember. Well, I said food and wine connoisseur, cultural vulture, fashion savant. Uh, <laughs> but they. Okay. They, Someone has a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but the that uh, sounded like what they wanted to hear, and I've heard some mixed <clears throat> things about the Stonewall Club. Right, they're sort of you know, Democratic Party stalwarts. But uh, what they wanted to hear about was housing. What they wanted to hear about was homelessness, because uh, a lot of queer people in New York City are, don't have homes, you know. So that's what he needs to be talking about. And uh, Morales, for all her faults, um, you know, she did, in all fairness, work for the Phipps something, which was uh, a, a company that has done a lot of evictions. But she wants to invest in social housing, and that's just good for for everybody, uh, especially queer people um so yeah it's i feel like the if if you are in that situation dear listener if you're ever in a uh trying to get an endorsement for someone um just talk about things that apply to them that they probably will need and you know don't separate them out and judge them based on an ascriptive uh characteristic i blame dave Chappelle for bringing him up at the stand because that's a level comedy pandering like that that's yeah. textbook stuff like that he was not considering sucks. oh i'm talking to an activist group he's like i'm here at a gay bar tell them you love the gays ask who's dating oh yeah he he's learning comedy yeah <laughs> yeah 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 that's essentially what it is that it shit is kind sucked of... so hard because dave Chappelle is one of those guys who says like ah, why does everything gotta be political all the time and then he goes and brings right. andrew yang like onto a <laughs> fucking show with him it's just yeah. selectively political it has been kind of funny to see the other candidates like just jumping at the chance to like criticize him and often, you know, they're right to do so. Uh, but there was, I think, at the standard or stand up New York because he has been hitting, making the rounds, honestly, at comedy clubs and grinding. You do not have to do stand up New York. No, you the thing are is, beyond that. The thing, the, do the stand. But he, the there's thing that's a fucked a, up about this comedy club thing is that he is. It's part of this, like, it's part of the thing that nobody fucking understands about politicians like that, which is that the, the small business thing. He's he's yeah. he's looking at New York and he's like, how do I bring New York back? That's his whole fucking slogan. Right. How do I bring New York back? Right. And that is, you know, language that implies things were great before the pandemic happened, which they fucking weren't. A lot of the solutions that people like Diane Ross are bringing into this are like, how about a new fucking New York that works better than it did before, you know, this crisis came and broke a bunch of shit that was yeah. fucked up to begin with. But, you know, when he went... People don't fucking see it when he comes in and he says like, "Oh, I'm 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 talking to." He's talking to all these fucking comedy club owners that are beefing with me on Twitter, and <laughs> the things that they're oh, beefing about. Oh, so that's about, why I don't like him, Jake. That's a lo- big part of the fucking you're reason. You're one issue. You're one issue voter. <laughs> well, I dude, I tweeted at him and I was like, "You are not listening to workers. You're not listening to the uh-huh. people that work in these fucking restaurants. You're listening to the business owners." Whose side are you actually on? And he didn't fucking respond to me because you know what? This is good press for him. This stupid fucking thing that sells to people. The small, I'm 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 helping the little guy. The little guy is the guy who works for the restaurant, the stand, not the guy who owns it, right? Right. And th- I think a good expression of this, a good illustration of this, is this thing where ever like everyone was surprised by Democrat Chris, uh, Kirsten Cinema a few mm-hmm. months ago or a few weeks ago, or whatever the fuck it was, when she voted no on a minimum wage 
raise and it was like this huge thing and people were like what the fuck she used to be like an occupy person or whatever but it's like no if you pay attention to democrats that keep yelling from the rooftops i love small business i'm a business leader person this is what they're doing it's not you're an idiot if you think democrats are like a left party this is they're just this sucks i think if you if you're like someone who's just getting into politics andrew yang is the perfect person to watch to kind of understand how our structures work because the faults he's falling into he's genuinely like he wants to help people he just is not politically programmed yet and it's happening in front of our eyes the issues he's falling into are the the pitfalls of bourgeois democracy which is the people who can afford to run for office have had money and to those people, before COVID-19, New York was a great place. Mm-hmm. And so he's meeting with other like-minded people who also have money, who are giving him their money uh, to promise them that he'll look out for their interests. And there's nobody in the conversation who is a worker, because if you're a worker, you don't have the time to run for office. Let me explain yeah. it with something that actually was in that article about the about him like flubbing the, the gay rights Zoom event thing. He apparently... He's uh, kind of a bro, they say. Sometimes he comes under fire for being kind of a dude bro. And uh, having, like, remember he had, like, he did, like, whipped cream beer bongs on when he was running right. for president or whatever? Yeah. So apparently he calls his pecs Lex and Rex, right? And we were, t- me and Anders were talking about this off mic. I think it's to remember which one's the left one and which one's the right one. Uh-huh. Oh. Left pecs, yeah. right pecs, right? <laughs> yep, because he'll forget. It, it happens. Yeah. To bros. I had, yeah, I had a friend who was a bro, and he would forget left and right a lot. He was dyslexic. Well, you, you hold the L out with your right hand, and then that the, <laughs> right, the way that's, it's pointing that's, is left. Ooh, that's true. Is he dyslexic? Is that what this is? I don't know. But he should not be <laughs> theorizing of the world in terms of Lexes and Rexes, but up and down. Your head and your dick, Andrew right. Yang. We are down in there the dick go. area. Sick with your dick. Help us out of here. <laughs> right. All right, this is as far as I can stretch this metaphor. By the way, I, I refer to Alex as lax a lot, so don't get that confused. I'm not talking about Andrew Yang's left peck. His left tit. <laughs> it's lax. Um, but on the – so Kristen Cinema, yeah, she just gave a speech or she was doing a conference or Q&A with some – Arizona businesses and they were like whining to her about the PRO Act and she's like well I, that's what I'm considering I'm talking to small businesses and yes that is what they're saying uh, nothing about workers um, but I think money is a really important point because uh, you know as we said like Andrew Yang in a way is sort of what looks like the future of Democratic Party politics which is basically the same as it was before more emphasis on diversity and sort of tokenizing uh, marginalized identities uh, and being willing to spend a shitload of money, right? Because that's what that's the real difference and the, the thing that sets Biden apart from his predecessors is he's so far not very concerned about the deficit. He spent a, he spent big on that covid package. But and if you look at and this directly applies to gang in New York City, uh, Biden had a provision uh, for venues in the, the covid relief package. It's supposed to be a shitload of money. And most of these venues have not seen a dime yet because uh, there's all this bureaucracy they have to go through 
uh, and all this, you know, they have to register for it. And, and then you have to implement this stuff. And this is what I'm worried about kind of with, you know, the Keynesian, uh, the new Keynesian Biden is it might not actually redound to really benefiting um, people really much of anyone, because as we've seen a lot of these like infrastructure projects, uh, especially in the neoliberal era, they have a ton of consultants, a ton of private firms, and it just gets sucked up into that. Just the same class of people who uh, runs these expensive losing campaigns are also, you know, uh, figuring out high speed rail in places like California and just making sure nothing actually happens except for enriching them and, and their friends doesn't actually uh, end up be, being a, a real project that benefits people. And that's what I'm really worried about with Bidenism and Yangism is the government. Oh, they, sp- they spend a lot of money here, but it actually didn't go anywhere. You know, it, yeah. so people are going to think, well, well, we're just wasting money. Uh, I'll pull the Andrew the Yang thought. Right, it's going to swing it's back in the other direction. Abs. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's probably a good transition into the Pro Act, right? Which is what we wanted to yeah. talk about today, because the the Pro I, I'm very confused by the s- potential success of the Pro Act within Biden's America, because it seems mm-hmm. counterintuitive to me. It seems like something that they would have been crushed. Until this point. So when I'm reading about the PRO Act, I'm kind of going like, how is this happening? How did they get Joe Manchin to vote for this? Is everything I know wrong? Is Are the Democrats actually a labor party? Or, you know, when's the other shoe going to drop? So please help me, Anders, understand what the well, My understanding the of specifically why you can get... So there are some Democrat holdouts on, on the PRO Act, which has uh, f- 40-something co-signers already. 47. 47. And uh, the DSA is actively organizing to make calls and flip the last few that would make a big difference, like like Joe Manchin was flipped this week. Um, But the the difference between the PRO Act and, let's say, like just pushing directly for a Green New Deal last year or or, uh, earlier on is the PRO Act is directly about ending right for work and empowering unions. And politically... In modern history, the Democrats have this like shaky alliance with labor where 50 years ago it was guaranteed if you're a Democrat because of, you know, the New Deal or whatever, uh, uh, you, you have labor votes on lock. The Republicans have business votes unlocked. And now that line is blurred. Uh, but because we're fighting tooth and nail for every House seat for the upcoming um, midterm elections, the Democrats want to ensure they're going to get. The, these labor votes in time for 2022. So the PRO Act is not as politically uh, uh, bombastic for the specific uh, uh, audience they're courting. And now if they want to like ensure those votes, like if Joe Manchin wants to stay in office, he has to show that he's the union man, even if the rest of his voting record might not necessarily agree with that. Right. Uh, yeah. West Virginia is a, a union state. I don't know if he's up for reelection. I, I don't think until 24, but still he, you know, that's a big part of his constituency uh, is union members. And I've literally talked to people who are like, well, I know Joe Manchin will, will sign on to that. He's a union man. Um, so he flipped eventually. But uh, I think where this, what separates this from 
the Green New Deal and Medicare for All is that it has vast union support. I mean, why would a union be against it, right? right. And we are still at a point where uh, I wouldn't really call the Democrats a labor party, but they are the closest thing to one that the U.S. has. And institutionally, um, that's that's really what labor uh, – the, the labor bureaucracy, uh, their main function is, is, is a turnout uh, institution for the Democratic Party. Um, and so they understand that relationship. And this week, uh, I think a really important uh, step was they, there were some labor leaders who actually told Mark Kelly in Arizona, who is a holdout right now for, for co-sponsoring the PRO Act, uh, that if he doesn't sign on, they're not going to support his reelection, which right. is coming up in, in 2022. Okay, so this uh, is just like an advantageous position that labor is kind of in right now. Because like what I'm reading about is a lot of shit like that where the Democrats are aware that they've like gained a majority by a razor-thin margin. And now you're actually in a good position if you're anyone who is can threaten to take away that margin. And there's enough... Of shit like this going on, right? Enough leverage. Am I getting that right? Right there. Well, yeah. So the unions have always been supportive of uh, labor law reform. Uh, in 2008, Obama was elected uh, in large part by unions because he supported card check, which was a bill that would just make it so any workplace you go around with a card, you get enough employees to sign it, uh, you got a union. Boom. That would have been a huge boon to the labor movement, but now the PRO Act is actually even better. It's gotten, uh, it's just going to outright repeal right to work and a lot of this other shit, just, you know, end captive audience meetings. Um, and Biden supports it. And there's actually, you know, it's actually passed the House already. Um, so I think for Democrats, there's just for the, the party, you know, uh, politicians, it's just a, a more crucial position that you have to take because there is backing from this turnout machine that's telling them you got to sign on to this. I don't know if it's actually going to pass. I mean, I think there is a good chance that we will get uh, the astronaut, Mark Kelly, uh, maybe his astronaut union. I looked it up. There is actually an astronaut union. Maybe that we is can, bad of course there is. Yeah, maybe we can get them to have him sign on. Uh, easiest industry to unionize in the world. Are you kidding me? How many? There's like eight astronauts. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I like the I, idea of like a fat astronaut like sitting around just going like, nah, I'm union, not going off today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're not taking off till just eight. the idea of getting like scabs to go to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so regular. Your shit's gonna, your $10 million spaceship's gonna explode because you didn't want to give them healthcare or whatever. <laughs> But uh, the but the point is though it it I think because of this pressure they will sign on but whether or not it's actually going to pass I think is an open question because in order to pass you need to do something about the filibuster there's no way this is getting sixty votes um, so that so the you know whether or not cinema and mansion uh, sign on to a filibuster reform uh, is hard to say. I think it is possible the best case scenario is that Kamala Harris, who is the president pro tempore of the Senate, decides the Senate rules, has every uh, authority to just 
end the filibuster or have it not apply to this bill, or they could pass it through reconciliation. There are a bunch of options they have to pass this. But the question is, number one, are they going to get these remaining three Democratic senators to sign on? Uh, And number two, are they going to get them to actually uh, retain that position if it means overriding the filibuster? Uh, So that's the question right now. And people are comparing this to, you know, Medicare for all, the Green New Deal. And, oh, why are you um, playing hardball on this, but not those? And uh, it's, number one, a different issue. Um, It it is already passed the House. Neither of those things have passed the House. Uh, But also, more importantly, uh, it has union support. It's literally about unions. So even if it does not succeed, which there's probably more likelihood that it won't, Building those bonds between the socialist movement and labor unions is crucial. It's the only way we're ever going to be able to pass anything like Medicare for All or the Green New Deal is having that actual base of support that threatens uh, the Democratic Party. Because a couple of votes in Congress, that's not really leverage. A whole labor movement that's threatening to withhold you know, uh, turnout, their turnout apparatus or is threatening, you know, strikes, if we could actually get to that point, yeah. that's actual leverage. That's a really uh, good point, because if, like, force the vote had happened, and then, like, somehow we rammed Medicare for all through, but not had any weird foundation to keep it from getting destroyed immediately, like, that would... do. Doesn't right. that make that you would need any amount of political leverage at some point to maintain any of this stuff. Right, and that's what we need to build with the labor movement... And a big part of that is expanding the labor movement and making it easier to form and join unions, uh, which is, I think, a top priority right now. Bernie Sanders is going to have to get his most persuasive cardboard tweet cutouts presentation to date ready for this. He's going to have to go to the Senate floor and have, like, all of the DSA memes. Yeah. And he can just... If Bernie Sanders steals from comedians, I think they're by and large okay with that. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. <laughs> he, he's like he's like a family friend. Why do you bring It'd up? It'd be all right for me. <laughs> stealing from comedians because Elon Musk did that. Is that why you're saying that? Well, yeah, and because he always has those big cutouts where he owns people on the Senate floor with large cutouts of their tweets, especially uh, former President Donald Trump. Uh, uh, president of the United States, but um, oh. Elon Musk has been stealing tweets, and he does not have our permission, and that's a big difference. Yeah, he stole a tweet from Patty Mo from What a Time to Be Alive, like the other day. It's crazy. What was the tweet? Um, it was the 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 fucking Vince McMahon thing, and it was like, uh, it was like when you go to a restaurant and there's like you know, bread in a little basket and then you open the basket and it looks good and then like the one where his eyes are bugging out is like, a little pad of butter? A little pad of butter. <laughs> it's really it's a lot more effective when you look at the meme, Anders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, um, that comic Giancarlo, you know that guy? I forgot oh, his... uh, es- not Esposito. Giancarlo. Giancarlo Esposito, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, from, uh, the, from, the, from Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's his face? Uh, Cerezi. Cerezi. John Marco Cerezi. He said, I think so, yeah. 
I'm trying to His credit him Tuco? with a good day. <laughs> uh, sangre. He said sangre por sangre. And I thought it was a really good take about this. No, he said, uh, you know, don't you think this reflects Elon Musk's business practices that he won't give? He's just taking things and won't give credit to people for a good, pretty good point. Pretty good own, I think. It is a tough situation because when the richest man in the world steals your tweet, there's not a court in this fair country that will back you up on that shit. (laughs) He can have you killed over that tweet. What are you going to do about it? He's literally the richest man in the world. It's not fair. And you're Gus Fring. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) Um, What if he stole... The idea for Breaking Bad. And that would be his own so Breaking Bad. funny if he just was like, I got an idea. It's about a chemistry teacher. <laughs> like, everyone knew. We're like, that is already a very famous thing. <laughs> you know, it would actually be beautiful if he made, if he did like a solo version of uh, Citizen Kane and pawned it off as his own idea. Uh, I yeah. could see that. Yeah, I mean, he could do anything you want, but you know what he would do is he would... And I'm surprised he hasn't actually done this, which is like worm his way into an executive producer role on Rick and Morty. So he literally mm. has seized the means of Rick and Morty. He can control the funny, the most epic uh, uh, Mr. Poopy butthole takes and stuff like that. Yeah. It's his favorite. I mean, I just feel like rich people really have a lack of imagination. They can do anything they want. Why are you stealing butter beans? They love to executive produce stuff. Just put their name on it for no fucking reason and then well, get yeah. to get like a Grammy or a Grammy, not a Grammy, an Emmy or whatever. I mean, the the fact that you have to make that much money is like just shows how you have a deep insecurity. You know, there's no mentally healthy person who has that much money it's it's right yeah, it and if you believed in yourself you would just you would just be producing more rick and morty's so we can consume them faster and talk about them on our podcasts yeah have i ever showed you guys uh richard branson's books no he's written several books and they're all like plays on the virgin like one and they're all like he is on the front and he's laughing uh and they're called all like right. a like a virgin the virgin way uh like uh what else is there finding my virginity <laughs> um screw it let's do it <laughs> that one's a stretch I'm not as into that one. Well, was that when he decided to stop being a virgin? I guess so. And then he has another book called Losing My Virginity. What the fuck? He he still is in full ownership of virgin. That is, <laughs> don't be confused by the book title. <laughs> <laughs> and screw business as usual is another one of his. Have you read any of these books, Andrews? Oh, God. What's no. a, Like, what is there... What is there to read about that covers eight books if you're Richard Branson? <laughs> like, how much of it is, like, biographical and how much is just, like, his his thoughts and musings on the airline world? I think it's probably thoughts and musings, I would imagine. Well, it's probably both. I mean, there's so much material there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but, that, yeah, suffice to say, it's not surprising to me that Elon Musk is 
doing this because he he wants to be liked and is frustrated at the fact that he's not. Um, he is liked, though. It is thing. really kind of kind of uh, comforting sometimes to know that money does not make people happy and that you can ruin a rich person's day with the website Twitter because what people actually want is to be liked, you know? Right. Which it's is true. impossible we'll always to have be that. liked by everyone. Literally no one can do it. It's so funny. I defy it's a- anyone to name me someone who is universally beloved. Jesus Christ. The no, richest man of false. all time. In uh you know, rich in the in the other sense. Yeah, he's know. at the Lord's table of plenty, sure. <laughs> but do Romans like him? Does Pontius Pilate upon his mighty throne? Jesus, if okay. he was alive today, would have Twitter and he would be insane on it. He would be so mad all the time. He'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> and he'd always have those apostles next to him that's like, "We t- not today, Jesus. Get off there. Get off that hell site. Give me your phone. <laughs> not today, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> not today, Jesus. That's a cool phrase. Like, not today, Satan. Yeah, it doesn't so organically come up very often. <laughs> um, I wish it would. <laughs> well, before we leave the pro act, let's talk a little bit about this other thing that uh, that you sent us, Anders. I read that article about um, the kind of tenuous relationship between green nonprofits and stuff like that and labor. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't realize that was a thing. Also, I'm kind of confused by the idea of organizing in nonprofits because you don't make something. So, how does that work? Yeah, well, there's like a, as is often described, a nonprofit industrial complex. Um, because, you know, nonprofit basically just means whatever little money is. What the, you know, literally the uh, the the surplus is just goes back into the company, so that could just be into the salaries, you know. Yeah. Um, it's bullshit. Yeah, and there's a professional class of, well, yeah, a professional managerial class. We're all as as trying to avoid is. saying that phrase, but yeah. it is a thing. Right. <laughs> Yeah, there's especially. I mean, I I see it up close every day here in D.C. There's thousands, maybe million people who work in in these this field, and it's it's just creates layer and layer of bureaucracy and bureaucracy, and uh, is often undemocratic and disconnected from the people it's it's trying to help. In many cases, um, so and you know and that especially with the environmental movement that creates a level of resentment from uh, working class people. Um, and so this is why I think that the, you know, the slogan of, of the pro act campaign from DSA is it's being led by eco-socialists and the term is, uh, workers and the world unite, oh, which I, I think like is that. a great oh. maxim. Um, now that's fun. Yeah. And people should study, the work of Tony Mizaki, who was uh, a chemical worker um, unionizer, uh, union organizer, who uh, really believed in sort of proto versions of the Green New Deal, uh, but from like a, a much more explicitly socialist uh, perspective. Um, you know, 
and I really do believe that it, if we are going to achieve something like that, have an industrial policy that is uh, actually focused on mitigating climate change, then it's got to come, that movement has got to come from the working class and it's not going to come from this industrial complex. Not to say that, you know, obviously people doing research about these sorts of things and the policy wonks, that's all great. We, we need that. It's crucial. But the actual political praxis to put these plans in action has to come from the grassroots. The grassroots. Very clever. Yeah. Well, how do the unionized astronauts feel about this since they are away from the planet? Are they mad that the planet is now our friend? Right, usually, it's in their class interest. To... Think... Right, Andrews was right about class interest, but usually their comment on everything is they get up there and they go, it's all one big blue orb. And they don't really <laughs> expound on that at all. They're like, look at it. all the little people there, they're on the orb. You know what they say? Well, Especially going- if they're in the union, they go up there and they say, wait, it's always been, it's it's all class struggle. Yeah. Always has been. Always, has, always been. has been. And then they yeah. go, And I'm- then another astronaut murders them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's then- something that happens often. And then he goes, I'm going on space break. And then he goes on break. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I thought it was. I'll link to that article. I thought it was very interesting how uh, how I was talking about how unionization in that industry sort of uh, helps to uncorrupt the fucking industry too. Because you know what we know about NGOs and stuff. Go watch the Susan G. Komen documentary. It'll blow your mind. They're not allowed to even use the same shade of pink anymore because they stole it from somebody. Um. All right. So from Patty Monahan. Yeah, they stole One of his it. hilarious tweets. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, anything else we want to get to before we get out of here? I think this is a good one. This is a good classic. Yeah, it's a classic oh, yeah. episode. A return to yeah. form. The boys. Just the boys. Uh, there is something I forgot to bring up on the bonus episode that somebody uh, on Discord pointed out. Primordial Stew on. Discord pointed out that shout out, yeah, Charles Murray, uh, who we talk quite a bit about, as well as Andrew Sullivan on the bonus episode about their race science pseudoscience. Uh, I forgot to mention uh, and go down totally the the Murray rabbit hole. Um, he was he worked with the CIA during Vietnam. <laughs> really. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And his his job was to determine how to uh put populations under political control. Uh which he found the most effective way to do that was by destroying their crops and starving them. Uh, um He sounds like a really cool guy. Yeah. Again, someone who <laughs> is a not- is is a respected intellectual here in Washington. Uh, people go to him still for advice and things. Um, he just seems like he generally se- seems like you go to him when you, you know what you want, and then he gives you a really obvious answer. Like, how do we yeah. kill Vietnamese people by burning all their stuff down and murdering them? Yeah, fuck them up. Anyway, I'm an expert at business and brain stuff, which is really all you're asking school. for. Yeah. yeah. Just cut off their supply to brain, and then they'll Hell. have to do whatever you want. Right. And that's what Andrew Yang is addressing, <laughs> this mayoral campaign. <laughs> uh, 
Other quick thing, uh, we we this week we I want to make sure we mention the passing of. I was texting my dad about this earlier because I don't know who else to <laughs> bestow this title on. The probably the greatest Norwegian American, uh, Walter Mondale, and that's I don't even like Walter Mondale that much, but that's just I guess the. It's the a low bar, one. folks. <laughs> yeah, uh, I asked my mom, and she was like, uh, Judy Garland. Bob Dylan? She's just listing people from Minnesota. The bar is oh on the goodness. floor. Yeah. Uh, Prince? I, <laughs> well, yeah, he may be Norwegian a little bit. Uh, it's hard to say. I think it, it's either, it might be Mondale, but it also might be Charles Schultz from my hometown of St. Paul. Okay. The Nets guy. Uh, or Boomer Esiason. Boomer Esiason? Yeah. That's a human name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, well, he was nicknamed Boomer because he would, in the womb, he would kick. Uh, so they're like, ooh, that's a Boomer. Like, okay, uh, Boomer. Shut the okay. fuck up. <laughs> you old man. He was nicknamed man. Boomer for his terrible opinions. <laughs> I think he might have some terrible but Yeah, I did see him once. He was a quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, who, like Walter Mondale, lost badly on a national stage in the 80s. That's kind of what being a Norwegian-American is all about, uh, is just disappointing everyone in on a national level uh, in the Reagan era. But uh, so I, I, we might do a bonus episode about Walter Mondale. It's uh, the fabled bonus ep- ep- pod damn episode about Walter Mondale, the Stop asking already. (laughs) It's coming. It's coming, folks. Six-part series on Walter Mondale. (laughs) We're working as hard as we can. Walter Mondale. (laughs) (laughs) Specifically, I I learned recently he was involved, likely involved, in purging communists from the Minnesota Democratic Former Labor Party, which is what they call the... (laughs) It's what they call the Democrats... In Minnesota, so we might do an episode about that. And one thing I will uh, say, which is kind of embodies, you know, the best of the Democratic Party, is we complain about the threshold for the filibuster being to, to override the filibuster being sixty votes. It used to be sixty-seven, but thanks to Walter Mondale, we brought it down to sixty. A, a great achievement. Uh, Holy maybe his shit. Best. Get up out of your car right now and just go fucking crazy for that (laughs) fact about the filibuster. (laughs) True Norwegian excellence. Live. Live on podcast. (laughs) All right. So those are your Mondale facts for this episode. Tune in to our Patreon, if you haven't already, for more about him and about Charles Murray. Uh, That's just to wet your whistle. That's yeah. just to get get the hunger started for more. Let's hawk Mondale facts. Let's hawk the Patreon. We haven't done that in a while. We just did an episode about race science. It's pretty fucked up. You should listen to it. We do. Did you? <laughs> did you just start listening to this, this podcast? Do you know what a Patreon is? Did you know that you can sign up for ours and then we do bonus episodes every week? And they're usually as good or better than the regular one. Sometimes they're better, and we're bad at our jobs. Sometimes they're worse. Sometimes they're worse, but it's similar. If you like the show <laughs> and you want to listen to more of us, go to patreon.com slash poddamnamerica. And if you want a shirt or a bandana or something cool like that or 
stickers and shit. We have a merch store at poddamnamerica.bigcartel.com, which is in all our hey, notes. Hey. And I guess you should subscribe, like, the iTunes stuff. Do people still do that? Rate, review, and subscribe? Do that. You should, do that. You should so. leave us a, a good review to counteract the many enemies that we have. Yeah. And threaten har- our freedom. <laughs> and harass our enemies, I guess. Right. Do that. Pick up the sword. Including <laughs> one review from, uh, one very negative review from a uh, a figure in in popular media now who has... Uh, said that he believes that uh, fat children are legally adults, should be treated as adults. <laughs> Did he review our podcast? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. So funny. See, I don't know if he <laughs> meant to do it anonymously, oh. but it just says Tim J. Dillon. Yeah. And, and Talk he's... about glass houses coming from that guy. Dude, that exactly. guy, I think he might have been him because he is, like, mad at me. Like, I keep, I just made a point to start calling him a right-wing pundit online recently, and I think he's uh-huh. seeing it because he's making these angry tweets that are like, which, you know, you, well, I say you shouldn't be able to get shot by the cops, and that makes you right-wing or whatever. And it's like, who is he Who is he talking to but right. me? It has to be me, right? Which is weird because he's blocked right. me, but you know how Twitter works. And supposedly all the, the, uh, the people who are mad at him for saying idiotic things uh, work for big corporations <laughs> that they don't criticize. Yeah. Which I, I guess uh, I, I fucking, didn't know that. We were getting corporate money, but okay, we'll take it. Uh, I, I know you guys are comics and you are fond of his quips and things, and I do think he used to be a very funny comedian, but I fucking hate that guy. I went to Texas and I just talked to, like, I talked to a, a cousin of mine who was like, this is unrelated. These people don't know me. She was like, a friend of mine is losing his mind listening to this podcast. How do I, like, what should I do about it? I was like, which one? She's like, Tim Dillon. Do you know him? <laughs> this is fucking people's shit up like right wing talk radio in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. He's an example of someone who, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. If you have the, the power of charisma and uh, zaniness, uh, it can be used for evil, especially if you think you're somehow ideologically neutral, which is the most annoying thing about it, is he's just like, people with ideology make bad decisions. Well, it's like, just, just like fucking Dave Chappelle, who's like, why has everything got to be political all the time? Yeah. Anyway, here's Andrew Yang. It's like, that politics does not start and stop when you decide to engage in it. It is always right. happening. So if you're just passive about it a bunch of the time that's probably when you're doing all the shit that people are calling you fucking racist for because you're saying, oh, I get, I get to opt out every once, just f- fucking five, ten hours a day or whatever and then just do things, you know, how I see fit or whatever. And then Right. And like, oh, I simultaneously uh, don't care about this stuff and know more than you about it. Like, that's another really obnoxious thing. I know why you have the opinions you have, uh, but I also don't care about those opinions. It's just... Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's fucking, it's like solipsistic or something. I don't know if I'm using that word right, but like the, the, the stand up really fucks up people's brains because it, it makes people think that they can sit down and philosophize just like semantically their way out of anything. Then, therefore, you don't need to read about anything and like understand anything on an abstract or like dialectical level or whatever because you could just sit here and just come up with fucking takes and just frame your enemy or whatever but if you do that long enough and then you would drift into the capitalist system and you're charismatic 
you will just end up becoming a reactionary because the entire mm-hmm. thing you're churning out is a guy to get mad at that you fucking made up that is yeah. very attractive to everyone listening to you who, you know, it's fun to get fucking mad at a scapegoat instead of the thing, the main thing, the problem, you know? Yeah. The fucking upward. Right. Get mad at the capitalist class. Get mad at their servants, uh, even their astronaut servants, Mark Kelly, Kristen Cinema, Mark Warner. <laughs> get mad, get even. Sign up uh, at proact.dsausa.org. That's right. We started the podcast by telling you to sit down, and now you stand up. Stand up. Yeah. Stand up. This has been Pod Damn America. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Let's do plugs and get the fuck out of here. Anybody got anything? Uh, like I just said, proact.us, pro-act.dsausa.org. Uh, also, I, I I was about to volunteer or um, plug volunteering for city council candidates, which you should also do. You can do both, folks. Uh, go to NYC, socialist.nyc, and you'll find ways to donate to uh, donate and volunteer for them uh and at andersley here on twitter dursley one instagram check out our twitch uh saturday night we're gonna be doing something fun um yeah twitch.tv slash pod america okay i have i have an event for the first time in in a very long time we have put together a paid protest comedy show for i didn't know about this the DSA. That's right. Uh, we are fundraising for New York's defund the police campaign, and the next show. This is the first one we've had in 13 months. So, kind of exciting stuff here, folks. That's going to be on May 2nd. A lot of good comics on it. Jake is on it. Oh, oh, that's like my Jake? plug. In theory, you <laughs> love Jake. Show up at this show and raise money for this, huh? Um, and I'm going to be helping host it, and that's on May 2nd. I'll put a link in the episode description. Okay? All right. All right. I'm on Twitter at Patak Jokes. If you are one of the people that listens to this show for Andrews and Alex but hates me, watch me do stand-up. Maybe I'll change your mind. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my plug. My plug is I'm on that show and my other shows while you're mad. And that's it. I think that's all I got. Stand-up soon. It's... Hold on. It's finished. It's finished.